Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. What's up, The House? How y'all feeling this morning? Y'all feeling good? I just want to know one thing. Are y'all excited to be here? Like this, this is the early service, but I heard the early service gets on 10 low. So y'all excited to be here this morning? I'm excited to be here with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it is a privilege and an honor for me to be in the house with you. Um, let me just, before I get started in anything this morning, I want to give honor where it is due. And I just want to take the time to tell you how much we love your pastors, uh, Stephen and Katie, their entire family, uh, just like he said, getting to know them over the, the last four to five years. Um, one of the main reasons why we're so excited about being here with you guys this morning is by the way they've been talking about you for the last five years. Like they have prayed over you. They've cried over you. They love you so much. And my wife and I were like, man, we need to get to the house. Like the way that they talk about these people, like we just got to see what's going on at the house. Well, thank you for the invitation because now we see what's going on in the house because your pastors are some of the most hardest working pastors I've ever met in my life. Like, 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 Pastor Stephen is on 10, like, all the time on 10. Like, I, I never leave a conversation with him down here. I always leave, like, up here. I'm tired, right? My brain's going, but I'm always here. Because I'm like, yo, did, I, like, last night, we were, we were had dinner with him last night, and my wife and I were in bed talking for another hour or so, talking about everything that he just deposited in us last night. We're like, man, that was just so much. That was so awesome. Like, yeah, but I'm so tired. I'm so tired. We got to get to sleep. But no, man, we love them so, so much, and we're so grateful to be here with them, to get to hang out with them uh, this weekend, and so we're grateful to be at the house. And so can you just join me in giving honor where it is due and honoring your pastor, Stephen and Katie, and their entire family, the entire Sexton family. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, knew, I knew this was a blessed church just for the simple fact that Stephen is an avid Cowboys fan. Like, like, like I knew that, right? And so I want to know how many Cowboys fans we have in the house? How many, how many? Okay, that's just the minority. You got to work in your discipleship, brother, because, man, like, like, come on, come on. But no, for real, for real, I'm so grateful and honored to be here. Uh, as Pastor Stephen mentioned, my wife and my girls are here with me this weekend. Uh, they'll be with us here in the next service. But we were just so blessed and honored uh, to be here in Arkansas. Like, this is my first time. Well, I've driven through Arkansas. I've never hung out in Arkansas before. <laughs> Uh, but man, it's been a blessing to be here. We came out yesterday too. My wife and I and the family, we came out through your lights on event and, you know, we always gauge a church by how excited and happy those that serve are. Right. And so we saw everybody serving all the volunteers and everybody serving. Everybody was so happy and smiling. We're like, yo, this is a great church because everybody's smiling. Like, like, I don't know if it's fake or not, but they were smiling. They were yelling. They were like everything. And my girls had a great time. But y'all did an awesome job. Give yourselves a hand, man. We enjoyed that so much, man. Y'all bless. I know y'all blessed us. Y'all bless this community so, so much. But I want to jump right into the word this morning. Y'all ready to get into it this morning? All right. Well, let's get into it. If you have your Bibles this morning. Morning. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, whatever you've got with you this morning. And let's get into the word uh, today. Uh, if you're there, say, I've got it. If you're not there yet, say, slow down, Chris. Slow down, Chris. Yes. Acts chapter 27. And let me just give us some context before we get into the reading this morning. The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, 
uh, in previous chapters has been arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus. He's been arrested. And so now there's a few chapters where we see where the Apostle Paul, along with other prisoners, are being uh, transported. There's a prisoner transport that is going on that will eventually lead them to Rome. Uh, where they'll be tried. And so uh, what we read in these few chapters is this, this transport of prisoners going on. And what we're going to read today is this one particular account of one of these journeys of this prisoner tra- transport that I believe will in- encourage you today, and I believe it will bless you. And so Acts chapter 27, we'll begin reading at verse 13. Acts chapter 27, verse 13 says this it says when a gentle south wind began to blow they saw their opportunity so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of crete before very long a wind of hurricane force called the northeaster swept down from the island the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind so we gave way to it and were driven along let's jump down to verse 18 We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Let's stop right there for a moment. If you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Look to the person you're sitting next to and say, I didn't see it coming. Look at the other person sitting next to you and say, I didn't either. I didn't either. I didn't see it coming. I just didn't see it coming. Well, verse 13, um, what we see in verse 13 is that it, it, it begins as a, a pretty normal, pleasant day for this transport as they transport as we can see here they normally transport by ship or by boat to get to their destination well verse 13 starts off as a very pleasant day for them it says that a that a gentle south wind began to blow and it was an opportunity for them to begin to set sail to their destination and so it was a good day a normal day a pleasant day but then as you read in verse 14 it says before very long Other translations say abruptly or suddenly hurricane-like winds showed up on the scene. A violent storm arose. So we see here that, that initially what we see is that they move from a moment of peace. Now they're shifting to a moment of crisis. Suddenly, abruptly, this hurricane-like wind and storm arose. And I read these passages of scripture, and and I don't know about you, but when I read this, I see such a parallel to life, right? Like, Like verse 13, we're just like verse 13 in that there are seasons and moments in our lives where everything is going great. There, there, there's, there's seasons of peace or moments of peace. Like there's no drama in my life right now. My, my marriage is good. My, my, my family seems to be doing well. My, my job is good. My boss isn't tripping. Like, 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 like there's money in the bank. Things, things are, things are on the up and up. Things are looking good. The Dallas Cowboys are winning. Like, like it's just those seasons, those moments where, where everything is, is going really, really well. It's just this state of euphoria where like I really, really really love my life. 
And I have these seasons even with my family. There are times where I'm just sitting at the dinner table with my wife and my girls and this overwhelming sensation of just euphoria just happens. I get so excited. I get so happy. And it doesn't happen all the time, but there's those moments where you're like, man, I really love my life. And they make fun of me for it. They think I'm playing when I say that, but I'm serious. Like, I look at them, I'm like, God, I'm, this is such a blessed moment right now. Like, I don't even deserve this. And so there's this season where we have where things are just pleasant, things are just going good, and then suddenly, abruptly, like that, everything changes in a moment. We get that one phone call that rocks our world. We get that one diagnosis from the doctor that punches you in the gut and feels like it just knocks all the wind out of you. Where you're looking in a moment where things are looking great and looking good, now in an instant, it seems like your whole world is falling down. Anybody here other than me ever been in that type of season before? Like just suddenly, like 2020 is such a depiction of this. Like 2020, man, I was ready for 2020. I was ready. Uh, December 2019, looking forward to 2020. Like I'm casting vision for the church and for our family. Like 2020 vision. All Like, yeah, what's your word for 2020? Nobody, I guarantee you, nobody's word for 2020 was pandemic. Nobody's word for 2020 was COVID-19, like nobody. Like I had great, great anticipation for the year. Like even as a church, right, just to be upfront with you, like we had, we had some of our best few months uh, at the beginning of the year of, of financially for us. Like, well, man, folks are giving. It's good. We're going to have, a, we're on track to have our best quarter ever for the year. We're making plans for the year. Like it's just the year of momentum. Things are happening. And then suddenly everything changed. In a moment, everything shifted. COVID-19, pandemic, civil unrest, all these different things are going on. Now everything's shifted. When we're in a moment of euphoria and, and peace, things are going really well. Now we're in a season and a moment of crisis, pandemic. And now we got to figure out how to navigate this. In a moment, crisis came. Before very long, abruptly, suddenly, hurricane-like winds came for these sailors and these prisoners. And so they moved from a moment of peace now to a moment of crisis. If you read in verse 15, it says that the, the, the winds were so strong that all they could do was give way to it. They couldn't steer the ship anymore. They gave way to it. They just let it take them. Why? They lost all control. And in crisis, that's one of the worst things for, for, for humanity to ever experience is to lose control of something. Like, that's my biggest fear is losing control, to be honest. Like, like I love my sense of security. I love, I love my, even if at times it's a false sense, I love the sense of having some type of control on things, Right? And so crisis came and crisis hits and you just like these sailors and these prisoners, you're like, man, we don't have any control. We just give way to it. When, when COVID-19 hit the scene, when the pandemic hit the scene, like we had no sense of control. I didn't know what coronavirus was. 
chances are majority of us in here didn't know what coronavirus was. Like, what is this? I didn't know what a pandemic really was. I knew what it was based on movies, and I didn't like that at all. (laughs) But I'm like, what do we do? Like, we have no sense of control, and so we end up giving way to it. But what we discover is that we try to find ways to gain some sense of control. I don't know about you, but when when coronavirus hit, like, I was Googling coronavirus. I was looking it up. Like, I'm like, what is this virus? Like, what does it do? Does What is it? And what is, how do you survive a pandemic? I was Googling that type of stuff. Like, what are we doing? And so, and so we, I just wanted some sense of control. I don't know if you realize this or not, but one of the main reasons why we we uh listen to and obey like, um, uh, how do I say this, uh, conspiracy theories is because when we, when we start to believe conspiracy theories, it gives us this false sense of control. Like, I really know what's going on and you don't. Why? Because it gives us a sense of control. It gives us a sense of security like, hey, I, this, is, this is a bad situation, but at least there's something I can hold on to that will give me some sense of security and control. Well, these sailors, they lost all sense of control. They just gave way to the current crisis they were in. They let the winds take it wherever it went. If you read in verse 17, it says that they tied ropes around the boat. Because they figure this, these are such violent storms and it's going to it's going to brush against it's going to destroy our boat. So they were tying ropes to try to hold the boat together like that's what we try to do in our own strength in the middle of crisis. We try to hold things together like let's just let's just let's just try the best that we can to hold this together. Let's just try the best that we can to gain some sense of control. I, I don't want to present to people that I'm panicking. I don't want to present to people that I'm afraid. And so let me just let me just present to people and show people that, hey, I'm not really scared. I, I've got this. We're, we're good. Especially as Christians, we're really good at this. Like as Christians, we're, we're, we're very afraid to admit that we're afraid. We're afraid to admit that, hey, you know what? There's a little fear here. Like, I, I don't really know what's going on. As a pastor, people are asking me, what are my thoughts on this pandemic and the crisis and all that's going on? And, and part of me wants to say, like, yo, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. Financially, I don't know what's going to happen. Health-wise, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I couldn't tell people that. They wanted me to give them the answer. They wanted me to give them the solution. And what they didn't know is I was just like them. I'm Googling the same thing you are, bro. I'm in the same boat you are. I'm standing in line at Costco, too. And just like you, I can't find no toilet paper, bro. Like, I'm just like you. I am just like you. We are in the same boat right now. Like, like we just want to present like we've got it all together. And so we see that they tied ropes around the boat, try to hold it all together. They, they lowered their anchors to try to, to stop the boat from moving, and they could not do it. And then if you continue reading in verse 18 and 19, they came to the realization that the only means of survival here, if by any means, is we're going to have to just throw stuff overboard. And so they start throwing their cargo overboard. They start throwing all their tack. Like these are essential things. These are, these are very important things for them, but they're in the, they're in survival mode right now. So they're just throwing things overboard just to stay alive. Isn't that just how it is in the middle of our own personal crisis? Like things that were important to us yesterday aren't as important to us today 
And things that were not important to us yesterday are extremely valuable and important to us today. Like, that's just how it is. They started letting go of things. Why? Because they are in the middle of a crisis that they didn't see coming. Crisis. We each have our own personal crisis that we go through. Nobody is immune from a crisis. Nobody's immune from that one phone call. Nobody's really immune from, from your family be, being impacted by some sort of diagnosis from the doctor. Like, nobody's immune from these things. These things are just inevitable. They happen. And just like the men on these, these, these ships, just like the, these sailors and these prisoners, they're, they're trying to navigate. They're trying to survive in the middle of this crisis they're trying to do everything they can within their own strength to, to to keep it all together they're trying to get rid of stuff throw stuff overboard and then if you read in verse 20 it says that neither sun nor stars appeared for many days they were in utter darkness for a number of days now this was important for sailors because this is how they this is how they track their course they they needed to see the sun they they needed to see the stars and now they're in a state where they can't see any of that they are in utter darkness they have no sense of of direction they're not seeing clear and that's what happens in the middle of crisis sometimes we just don't see clear we don't see what's ahead of us. We don't see what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next week. We don't know how we're going to get out of this. And they are in a state and loss of direction and any sense of direction because there is utter darkness. And we, too, walk through these dark seasons where we just can't see clearly. We just can't see clearly. And then they came to the point, verse 20. They came to the realization and they finally gave up all hope of being saved. They lost hope. We're going to die. We are not going to make it out of this crisis. They lost hope. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what season of life you're in today, you may be walking in the middle of your own personal crisis right now at this moment. You may have come into this place today just like the men on this boat, losing all sense of hope. Losing all sense of trying to survive, just giving up. And if you are here today, I don't know if there's one of you, I don't know if there's 10 of you, 20 of you, I do not know. But if you are here this morning and you feel like you came in here today with a sense that you have lost hope, you are in the right place. Because there is hope in the house. And there's only hope in the house. Why? Because Jesus is in the house. You're in the right place this morning, and I'm glad you came. You may say, well, Chris, you don't know what it took for me to get here this morning. I struggled to get here this morning. I struggled to get out of bed this morning. I struggled on the, on the way up to the building today. Like, I barely made it in. Well, I'm glad you made it. Because there's hope in the house. So how do we respond to crisis? 
Like, what is the correct response to handling crisis? What is the correct response to the to the sudden moment of crisis that we may be feeling? Well, here's the one thing I do know about crisis. Crisis or adversity, it, it, it always draws a crowd. Here's what I mean by that. You ever heard of the term uh, onlooker traffic? You're driving on the freeway, there's a lot of traffic, and you realize the accident isn't even on your lane. It's in like three lanes over, but the traffic is slow because everybody's trying to look at the, the accident that happened on the way on the three, four lanes away, right? And they're just trying to look and see. Why? Because it's something on the inside of us. We, we like to see tragedy that doesn't involve us. Like, like it's onlooker traffic. We're basically, to put it in simpler terms, it's just being nosy. Just being nosy, like, like, like if there's crisis or adversity going on in your life, there are people that are watching you. Some folks have some genuine concern, but other folks are just nosy. They just want to get all in your business. They just want to see, man, he's going through, he's going through some adversity. He's going through some crisis right now. Let's, let's, let's just see what's going on uh, in their lives right now. Like, let me get all in their business and find out what's happening. I, 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 maybe I'm kind of concerned. Maybe I'll throw some thoughts and prayers their way. But man, at the end of the day, I just want to see what this tragedy is all about. And so crisis and adversity, it, it, it draws a crowd. It draws attention. And so keep that in mind in our response to crisis. Keep that in mind as we begin to discuss the solution to crisis. And so as you continue reading on here today, and as we, we see here, these, these sailors and these prisoners, are, they're in the in a middle of a crisis, an unforeseen crisis. Things are looking bad for them. They lost all hope of survival. But the Apostle Paul is also on this boat. And if we continue reading in verse 21, jump down to verse 21. Verse 21 says this, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Stop right there for a moment. Just a side side note here. Uh, in, in, In previous verses, the Apostle Paul, when he's seeing kind of the itinerary of where they're heading to, Paul kind of speaks up and says, hey, you know what, guys? I don't think it's a good idea to really sail right now. Like like something on the inside, the, the, I believe the Holy Spirit on the inside of Paul was like, like, yeah, just just warn these guys. It's not a good time to sail. It's not a good time to, to voyage right now. But they were like, man, Paul, you're just a prisoner. Sit on down. We're the professionals. We're the sailors. We know what we're doing. So uh, it's funny how when Paul gets up, he's like throws this in there. Not like an I told you so but like kind of an I told you so like 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 you should have listened to me in the first place I'm just gonna throw that out there like Paul didn't really have to say that but I love the fact that he did right like like he just said like just to let you know you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss Ah, but that's neither here nor there but now I urge you to keep up your courage Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. But last night, check this out. But last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Stop right there. You want to know what our response should be in the middle of crisis? Three things I want you to remember during your crisis. Three things, three simple things, three simple words. The first word I want you to remember during crisis is the word presence. 
Remember the fact that you are not alone. The same God that created the universe. The same God that created the heavens and the earth. That spoke the earth and the world into existence. That God is with us. He's with us. He is with you in the middle of your crisis. Presence. He says, the the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. This happened last night. This happened in the middle of the storm. This angel was was with me. The presence of God was with me. And the same God that was with Paul is the same God that is with you in the middle of your crisis. He hasn't changed. When I read about presence and the presence of God, I'm reminded of a time in my, my daughter's life. My daughter, who's 13 now, um, and, and, and mothers and fathers, you can probably relate to this, but there was a season in my, my daughter's life when she was transitioning from the crib to a toddler bed. And sometimes those are good transitions. Sometimes they're horrible transitions. But this particular night, I remember uh, our normal routine was I would tuck my, my baby in the bed and I would lay her in her toddler bed. It was her first night in the toddler bed. And, and my routine is I, I would stay with her, pray with her, stay with her until she fell asleep. And then I would make my escape. You know how that is, right? Like you just kind of like sneak out, like oh, I don't make any sound, like she's asleep, let's go. And so what I would do is I would just lay my hand, my hand on her back and, and just sit there with her until she fell asleep, right? And so it'd be a few minutes and then I'd hear her start to breathe heavier and heavier and heavier. I'm like, yo, she's asleep. Now it's time to make my move. And so my hand's on her back, and she's breathing heavy, and I'm like, that's it, it's time to go. And so I slowly remove my hand off of her back, and I start to make my way out. She jumps up out of bed, grabs my hand, puts it right back on her, turns right around, and goes to sleep. See, my daughter didn't, it was dark, completely dark in there, right? My daughter didn't have to see me. My daughter didn't even have to hear me. I wasn't saying a word. All she wanted to do was feel me and know that I was in the room. And as followers of Jesus, if we could come to a place where we say, God, I don't have to see you. God, you know what? If I don't even hear a whisper, if I can just feel you, I know that I'm good because you're with me. Presence presence in the middle of your crisis presence in the middle of your crisis an angel of the of the god to whom i belong and whom i serve stood beside me verse 24 and he said do not be afraid paul you must stand trial before caesar and god has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you so not only is his presence there with him but now he he reminds him of something he reminds him that there is purpose the second word you need to remember is purpose he reminds him paul look you're not gonna die because you already know you're supposed to stand trial before caesar like you need to go to rome because if you don't get to rome the gospel won't get there and so there is purpose for you paul 
And this purpose far outweighs and is power, more powerful than any crisis you could ever come to. There is purpose for you, Paul. You are not here just to survive, but you are here to thrive. See, some of us are living lives just surviving. Like, if I could just survive today, I'm good. You ever, you ever talk to somebody and say, hey, man, how you doing? Are you doing all right? What's up with you, man? Oh, man, just surviving. Like, we're supposed to move beyond just surviving. They're, they're supposed to be thriving. There's supposed to be purpose for you. And there is purpose for you. And so you may be in the middle of crisis right now. You may be in a season where it's dark. You may be in a season where you are feeling hopeless, but if you can remember that the presence of God is with you and also remember that there was purpose and plans for your life that God has for you and no crisis can divert that, no crisis can change that, there is still purpose for you. If you remember what I said, that crisis and adversity always draws a crowd. And so people are watching you, especially when they know you're a follower of Jesus. Like they want to see, if, is there really some sort of distinction in your life? Because I go through crisis and I may not be a Christian, but they say they're Christians and they're going through crisis. Let me see what they do. Let me see how they handle this. Let me see how they handle a pandemic. Let me see how they handle civil unrest. Let me see how they handle all this disunity going on in our nation. Let me see. And my thought is, since they're watching me anyway, I might as well just point them to Jesus. If you're looking at me, let me get you to look at Jesus. If you're watching me in the middle of, of my crisis, let me get you to look at Jesus. You want to know what your purpose is? Get them to look at Jesus. In the middle of your crisis, even when it is dark. Even when it seems like all hope is lost. Because you have purpose and destiny. You will not be a casualty of your crisis. Because there is purpose on your life, you're not going to be a casualty. Because he's with you. He's got plans for you. He's got purposes for you. You are not defined by the crisis you're going through right now. This too shall pass. Because there are plans and there are purposes for your life. So Paul continues speaking. He said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So you've got presence. You've got purpose. Now you've got the promise. If he said it, he will do it. This angel reminded me that I've got purpose in Rome. This angel reminded me that I've got a job to do in Rome. And because I have a purpose, I'm going to remember your promise. 
And if God said it, it will come to pass. Can I just remind you this morning? That God is not one that he should lie. Everything he says is truth. He is truth. And the plans and purposes for your life that God has spoken over you, the plans and purpose in your life that God has laid out for you, if he said it, he will do it. Repeat after me. If he said it, he will do it. I don't believe you. If he said it, he will do it. That is his promise. That is his promise. And what has he said exactly? Well, I think we need to look at the words of Jesus as we kind of land this plane for a moment. John 16, 33, Jesus himself says this. He says, I've told you these things. In me, you may have peace. And then he goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, that's a guarantee. Like, I would love, I would love to tell somebody, man, once you come to Jesus, like, all your troubles are gone. Everything is great. Everything is good. Everybody's your friend. Everybody likes you. I would love to tell people that. That's a great selling point. But I can't. Jesus isn't about selling points. He said, yeah, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have crisis. In this world, you will have trials. But take heart. Don't get discouraged. Don't get down. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Let let, let me tell you what that means. Check this out. Jesus has solved the biggest, greatest problem you would ever have in life. Jesus has solved the greatest and biggest problem you would ever have in life. Check this out. The biggest problem humanity has ever had in life has been been, been, being separated from God. The biggest problem humanity has is, is not being right with God. But Jesus comes along And he becomes the solution. He says, I'm going to make you right with my father. I'm going to make you right with God. I'm the problem solver. That problem is bigger than any crisis. It's bigger than any tribulation. It's bigger bigger than any trial you would ever face in life. We go through trials. And this is not trying to diminish your crisis. This is not trying to diminish the trial and darkness you're walking through right now. We're going through trial right now, just to be honest with you. Our families had a sudden crisis that we've got to deal with. And it's heavy and it hurts and it feels dark. And I have to remind myself on a daily, God, you're with me. You're with us. God, there's purpose in this. There's a reason for this. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But, 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 but there's some type of purpose in this. And I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you on that. Why? Because your word is true. If you said it, you're going to do it. There's a promise you got. And so we're walking through crisis right now as I'm preaching to you. There's crisis going on right now in my family's life. But we're walking through it. 
But joy fills my heart when I remind myself the fact that Jesus, you've already solved the greatest dilemma I would ever have in my life. I've got salvation in you. My eternity is forever secure in you. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus can make your eternity secure. Jesus can make you right with God. Jesus can draw you close to God. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what stage you are in life. But I'm here to tell you that the God of the Bible, the same God that made these promises to Paul, saved these men and these prisoners in this boat, is the same God that could be active in your life today. The same Jesus that saved my life, that solved the biggest problem I would ever face, is the same Jesus that can solve the biggest problem you would ever face. Do you know him? Do you know him? And so this morning, more than anything I've ever said, I just want to point you to Jesus. And it's just acknowledging the fact that Jesus is the son of God, came to this earth, lived the perfectly sinless life. He died on a cross so that my sins and your sins could be forgiven and that we could be made right with God. Like that's enough to celebrate, but it doesn't even stop there. He dies on his cross, but three days later, he resurrects from the dead. And because of that resurrection, not only are my sins forgiven, but now I get to live a brand new life. Now when I walk through crisis, I don't walk through crisis the same way old Chris used to walk through crisis. When I walk through crisis, my first response isn't to panic anymore. My first response is to pray, God, I have no control over this, but I'm trusting you. I don't get it. I don't like it, but I'm trusting you. But I can only do that in my new life. And that new life is made available for you today. Do you know him? Do you know him? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.